0: I'm Autumn Lockett,
1: and this is Mitch Randall,
0: and you're listening to Good Faith Weekly.
1: Welcome to Good Faith Weekly, and on this episode, Autumn and I are going to catch up. We're also going to talk about the stimulus bill that was just passed, $1.9 trillion going to be going to American families very, very soon. We'll talk about Beth Moore. She is out of the Southern Baptist Convention, and then also we're going to talk about the Terrible pieces of legislation that is being passed across the country in states that are tr- attempting to limit voting rights. So stay tuned.
2: I'm Reverend Starlett Thomas, a womanist in ministry and the host of a new podcast, The Raceless Gospel, from Good Faith Media. We're going to talk about that taboo trinity race, religion, and politics. Season one of The Raceless Gospel has five episodes, five Sundays, if you will. We're gonna take you to church each episode. We're gonna talk about the sticks and stones, the skin and bones of Christian discipleship through the structure of a church service. And each episode, we're joined by a special guest who will bring a word. The Raceless Gospel Podcast, five episodes, all available March 22nd. I'm your podcast pastor, Reverend Scarlett Thomas. Join us as we march into and beyond race, religion, and politics. Learn more at goodfaithmedia.org.
1: Autumn, how are you this week?
0: Well, Mitch, for the first time in my almost 16 years of being married, my husband thinks it was a good idea for us to have four kids.
1: Really? Yeah. So pray tell, wh- wh- why? Why is it all of a sudden great to have four kids?
0: That's stimulus money, baby.
1: <laughs> Making it rain all up in here, are we?
0: <laughs> of course, when you look at their cost of child care, medical bills, therapy, it's a plunk in the bucket. Come on.
1: exactly. Yeah. You're never going to break even with those kids.
0: No. <laughs> fact, no. <laughs> but it's such a, such good news for American families.
1: It really is on so many levels. I was uh, looking at some charts uh, earlier today uh, and uh, reading some stories um, on the headlines and just how this is going to affect everyday Americans is just an, an incredible feat uh, I'm so proud of our government and, and those who supported this piece of legislation because this is really going to help those people who so desperately need it. And uh, it's going to it's gonna happen quick, and, and that that's good to yeah. hear.
0: Well, and um, there's not as much ego involved in this, so we won't have to go through the process of uh, Biden signing all these checks. They're just going to send it out since it is actually our taxpayer money.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's right. The American people helping the American people. That's what there this is go. about. So yep. it's really, really neat to see. So not only uh, are, is the stimulus package been uh, delivered and the president is about to sign it and checks are going to be going out to pretty soon, as well as the extension of unemployment benefits. Uh, just again, so, so much good in this bill, helping states, helping uh, the, the, the vaccine uh, rollout as, as well as schools and, and just again, just so much uh, good. Uh, surrounding this bill. But not only that is going on, some other news uh, this week. It seems as though after the 2020 election, we've discovered that some states didn't like the 2020 election and decided that they were going to roll back some of the voting rights uh, of some citizens and therefore making it more difficult for people to vote, in particular, people of color to vote. Mm. It's just
0: well, a big old surprise.
1: Yeah. I mean, we've seen it in Iowa. We've seen it more recently in Georgia. Uh, the legislation in Georgia that they're considering would make it illegal for people to vote on Sundays, even though that has been a staple over the years, which uh, our African-American brothers and sisters in Georgia th- see it as a direct attempt to take away their initiative souls to the polls as uh um, church members would gather at churches, and then they would bust them to the polls to help them vote mm-hmm. in early voting uh, efforts. Uh, it just it just just boggles my mind that in a, 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 a democracy like ours, that where voting is central to the health and vitality of our country, that there are a segment of the population that still wants to make it more difficult to vote and limit voting so that they can control the system.
0: But that's exactly what they're trying to do. And, you know, we're hearing rhetoric about people saying, well, the, you know, voting by mail doesn't need to happen unless they're, you know, extenuating circumstances. They have all of these ways of camouflaging their overt blatant racism. Right. And I'm not falling for it.
1: I'm not either. I mean, it is, I mean, it is racism to the core. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think about the late Paul warwick uh, who was a right wing political operative who said openly that he is not in support of more people voting because when more people vote, his party is hurt. He wants to restrict voting and mm-hmm. he wants to limit voting to only people that think like him. He doesn't want people who don't think like him to vote because that's how they lose elections. Uh, and, and you're seeing that policy come into play I mean there yeah. is a, a huge segment within the country uh, primarily white that want to limit voting by people of color because they can they are finally seeing that the the black voting block the brown voting block is extremely significant and it's not leaning their way
0: yeah so rather than amend things within the party that, Maybe off-putting to voices that differ. will just go ahead and limit their voice.
1: Exactly, and that's just what is so heartbreaking to me because, you know, even in the Republican Party, that's certainly more conservative than the Democratic Party, um, there are some values that really are important to the African American community that the GOP yes. holds, but they'll never, they'll, they'll never cross that line to vote GOP because they're so racist in their policies. And sh- if, if the GOP could somehow come to Jesus and realize that what they're doing is extremely harmful to the minority community, the black and brown communities in this country, they may have a living or they may have a shot in the future. But if they don't, it's just going to continue to dwindle into nothing. And Mm -hmm. if they want to hold on to that ideology, then they can dwindle into nothing. Yeah. Well, speaking of nothing, um, another big story in the headlines this week was Beth Moore, the very popular evangelical teacher and preacher uh, in the Southern Baptist Convention and really just across evangelicalism in itself, made a public statement this week citing that she can no longer um, call herself a Southern Baptist because of the Southern Baptist embrace of Trumpism and Christian nationalism, and that she pieced out.
0: Yeah, she did. You know, she's been teetering on that wall since 2015, um, and this is just sort of my take on it, but when— the sexual assault allegations started rolling out and there was no accountability for any of that, um, during the Trump campaign. She really struggled. She has a background where she's a survivor of assault and I think it really hit her in the heartstrings. And I know there are people on, on both sides who are, you know, troubled by what's going on uh, with Beth Moore, you know, she hasn't come to this realization fast enough or, you know, why is she leaving her people? And you know what? She's made the best choice for her. And I know it was not an easy choice for her. And I'm proud of her. Mm-hmm.
1: I think that's very well said. And, and I just want to amen that because, you know, I have to admit, uh, just being honest about my reaction to that news, it was like, you know, what took you so long? I mean, finally, mm-hmm. you've come to this conclusion. But I mean, the last 30 years, you know, certainly convinced me that I could no longer be a Southern Baptist you know what what all of a sudden changed but i think you're you're exactly right i applaud and celebrate her decision because if we are going to win the hearts and minds of evangelicals to to show them that this hard right ideology this christian nationalism that they have embraced is not gospel then we have to celebrate every person who comes to that conclusion on their own, uh, their own initiative, as, and, and just embrace them, say thank you for finally making that decision. Don't chastise them for taking so long because yeah. everybody's on their own journey. But they got there, they're here now, and let's celebrate that and move forward to help make a better beloved community and in the country a more perfect union
0: well and it's not easy you know but i think that's something that i really learned from coming into this community that is good faith media um you know from the history of nurturing faith and ethics daily and listening to folks who are you know in the great cloud of witnesses ahead of me by some years and and miles um is inclusive doesn't just mean of far left-leaning causes mm-hmm. inclusive means being a soft place to land when someone has questions and if we completely harden ourselves to anyone who thinks differently than us, and we don't give them a place to come when they finally, the scales fall off of their eyes, then we're just as bad as the other vacuum.
1: Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. You know, we were talking about this in, uh, in some staff conversations this week, and I, I've concluded for myself personally that we need to be this landing spot, as you articulated, for people who are asking questions. The only thing that I'm kind of hard-nosed about is I've embraced the popular paradox, which Karl Poplar uh, developed this idea that the only way to be inclusive is, unfortunately, to be exclusive to exclusionary people. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's just a reality. If you have somebody yeah. who's going to be exclusionary in your organization or your movement— then you cannot fully practice inclusion. So I think as long as people, no matter where they are on their journey, even if they are not where I am on certain issues and, and think and and believe like me, as long as they're willing to have a productive conversation uh, and open to the concept that inclusion is the way of the future and the way forward, then I can talk about anybody. It's those people who are really hard-nosed and say, no, you know, uh, you know LGBTQ uh, people can't be, you, you can't support that. Uh, you can't include them in the church or affirm them. Um, you know, same thing about race. I mean, just name the issue. If they're hardcore about it, I just, I, I can't have a conversation about them. But I, I like what you said. This organization uh, are, are in. Our ecosystem that we live in needs to be a soft place for anybody who is searching and asking the very important questions about life. Yeah. Well, speaking about important questions, so we are really excited about a new podcast that we're going to be releasing next week, The Raceless Gospel with Reverend Starlet Thomas. Reverend Thomas is our guest this week on Good Faith Weekly, and we are just delighted to talk to her, and we cannot tell you how excited we are that the pod is going to be dropping next week. So stay tuned for our interview with Reverend Starlet Thomas.
3: Lot Kerry is proud to bring you conversations with some of the best and brightest pastors coast to coast. Our new podcast, Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving, delivers wisdom from the black church for the whole church. Find us wherever you get your podcast or listen online at lotcary.org. That's L O T T C A R E Y dot org. We look forward to the pilgrimage with you.
1: Welcome back to Good Faith Weekly, and on this episode, we've got a very special guest returning to the pod, Reverend Starlet Thomas. Reverend Thomas is an author, activist, and race abolitionist. She is a womanist in ministry and the principal architect of a raceless world. A pastor, denominational leader, and clergy coach, she is a natural shepherd of words and people, leading both to their authentic and best expression. She's a graduate of both Buffalo State College and Colgate-Rochester-Coser Divinity School. An unrepentant academician and bibliophile, she is presently pursuing a doctor of ministry degree at Wesley Theological Seminary in Washington, D.C., studying ecclesiology, the intersection of gender politics, and race in their interplay for a transformative spirituality. Wow, that was a mouthful. She regularly writes on social political construct of race and its longstanding membership in the Church of North America on her blog, racelessgospel.com. Reverend Thomas, welcome back to Good Faith Weekly. Thank you.
4: We are
0: so glad to have you here. I'm still recovering from the introduction. <laughs> I mean, we're tired <laughs> just saying it. I can't imagine living that truth every day.
1: That's right. I had to do so many vocal exercises before this podcast started to get in the words bibliophile and accommodation in the same sentence. But I did it. I was really proud of myself.
0: That was
3: fantastic.
0: How are you doing during the pandemic, Starlet? What are you looking forward to doing once we finally
3: get out of these restrictions? It's such a such a good question, such a weighty question. I thought about it. And the best thing, uh, the best word for it is that I'm clear. Mm. Mm. Like I'm clear on my priorities, um, yeah. clear on my purpose, I'm clear on the people um, that I surround myself with. Um, for a lot of people, my friends included, the pandemic has created a level of awareness about my life and um, how I want to live it moving forward. Mm. Um, but when these restrictions are finally lifted, I'm getting on a plane <laughs> and going somewhere sunny.
1: Amen. <laughs>
3: My gosh, Uh, I'm laying on somebody's beach. uh, I'm going to get an extra deep tan. There you go.
4: (laughs) Good for you. I'm
3: going to bake on both sides. It is hard to believe. (laughs) Uh, It's
1: actually been a year this week uh, that we have been under these restrictions. I was actually in your neck of the woods in Washington, D.C. when uh, the country began to shut down. Um, yeah. You know, I can remember there in D.C. the reports of a a priest that uh, it was reported that he had been infected with COVID nineteen, and he had officiated a service, and you know some you know fright began to travel through the Beltway. There, they shut down the Capitol, they shut down the Smithsonian, the White House, and I remember calling back to to my wife here in Oklahoma and saying, "This is going to be a big deal." Um, yeah. mm-hmm. She said, well, "How long do you think it's going to last?" I said, "Ah, oh, probably a couple of weeks." Here we are, one year later. <laughs> so, a prophet, I am not.
3: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you are stuck in a perpetual groundhog day. Uh, <laughs> yes,
4: yes. Uh,
1: well, Starlet, you are here for a very exciting reason. You've been working with Good Faith Media on to on a new podcast called, in association with your uh, website, Raceless Gospel. But before we talk about the pod, I want to first talk about this entire concept of a raceless gospel. Now, we know that you've defined it on your website and on your blog, but for our listeners here at Good Faith Weekly, can you just real quickly give us a, a definition, a synopsis of what the raceless gospel means to you?
3: Yeah, so it's inspired by uh, the Apostle Paul's words to the church at Uh, Galatia, chapter 3 verses 27 and 28 and he's talking about our baptismal identity in christ and he says these words there's no longer jew or greek there's no longer slave or free there's no longer male or female for all of you are one in christ jesus and that was it for me that uh there's no longer beige or brown or black or red or yellow that those social categories supposed to they're supposed to be drowned out in the water Uh, but Mm -hmm. racelessness for me is not um a post-racial vision. It's not a prescription for colorblindness. I see you. Um, and it's certainly not a call to ignore social justice, uh, social injustice, excuse me. I want to be clear on that. Um, because we do a lot of things in the name of race and it needs to be acknowledged instead it's an invitation to really dive deep into our baptismal identity with Christ, um, and live without these categories um, as an expression of deep communion with Jesus.
1: Yeah. And you you mentioned something in your explanation there that I think is very, very important because, you know, for so long we have been following you and and you have been writing at goodfaithmedia.org on several occasions, some outstanding articles. But what you said a moment ago that the raceless gospel is not colorblind. And I think that is extremely important to note because... A lot of people today, in their understanding of racism and bigotry, in our fight against those two things, they continue to, to say, well, I don't see color. Yeah, but That's not what we're talking about, or that's not what not you're talking all. about.
3: And it it's more so the power that we give to it. Uh, mm-hmm. we, I certainly know for sure that there are no physically colored black, white, beige, red, yellow, and white people, but we do color people in and give them positions and power based on that. So it's it's important that we that I not that I say that it's not about colorblindness and it's certainly not about putting race behind us, um, because it's in front of us. It's about repositioning, right. um, so that we're following in the footsteps of Jesus as opposed to following in the ways of whiteness, uh, for the most part.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Good. So in a
0: recent article for Good Faith Media, you wrote about five misconceptions people have when talking about race. They are number one, talking about race gets us nowhere. Two, and that's what so many people do, right? They just like we're just like it's uncomfortable and we get sweaty and so let's just not talk about it. It's uncomfortable. Um, evangelicals are real good at that. We've been doing that about sex, about sexuality for a real long time. So you know, race just falls really beautifully right into that. Um two, that we that we've said all there is to say on the subject. So check that mark. We've done it. You know, gold star for us. Number three, that race and its implications in society do not involve me. Um or my voice doesn't need to be included in the conversation because I'm not an expert. Yeah. Um but like I'm not gonna like respond to each of these, but like we're all an expert in what we've experienced. That's right. Right. And like exactly. if we as like let me get this right socially constructed white people come on in here who is who's going to sorry yeah. have a little bit of church number four <laughs> talking about race only leads to more division that's when we hear a ton mm-hmm. and number five that talking about race makes it a problem so can you expand on all of those and tell us why we have so many misconceptions about race getting ready to
3: redo the good job you just did, you did. <laughs> what i will say is that it's because we do not have consistent conversations about race we only talk mm-hmm. about race when there's a, a trauma and then once we start feeling better about it once the news is over then we stop talking about it not only do we not have consistent conversations we don't have informed conversations most folks can't tell you the definition of race they can't tell you when it is ex- they can't tell you the definition of it or the goals of it that it's a color caste system or when whiteness began they can tell you about the experiences with racism uh, which is not the same. Uh, so we're, we're having inconsistent conversations. We're ill-informed about race and the issues that arise around it. And then we just simply refuse because we don't want to talk about American slavery. Um, we don't want to talk about police brutality. And what I hear is we don't want to talk about injustice. Yeah. You know, we don't want to deal with reality. Because it's not an easy fix. It's we not. want one button to push no. and for it to be done. And that's not the way this works. No, I, 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 and, and it's, it's even worse than that because um, we prefer to, to continue living as if nothing has happened. Mm. Uh, Because the preservation of the myth of uh, America, the beautiful or America, the land of the free, the home of the brave is more important. Yeah, Uh, that we prefer to uh, live our lie, our beautiful lie, Mm. our sweet lie, our comfortable lie um, Mm. than to accept the truth of our neighbor's experience. Our lie, that lie, that comfortable lie, that familiar lie is more important to us. Yeah, it's just more important. So I I would rather ignore your suffering. I can continue to exist in the way that I do.
4: Right. And start.
1: do you think when we do have these conversations, one of the things that impedes progress uh, that that could come out of these important conversations that we're having is that many of us, uh, no matter what the pigment of our skin might be, are really not honest about race, as well as honest the fact that all all of humanity has a tinge of racism within yeah. them.
3: absolutely absolutely uh, why do it you starts th- with telling your own story yeah okay that's, there you how go. Mm-hmm. that's how it started with me that's mm-hmm. how it started with me started asking questions and I'm from the south and that's not something that we do um, mm-hmm. you know children have a place and you stay in it no matter how old you are Um, And so I started asking questions. I started asking questions about how I came into the world. um, And I didn't like the answer. I asked my mother, you know, why did you choose my dad? I was 19 years old. Trying to figure out who I am as a person. And I thought she was going to tell me a love story. You know, they met met at the mall. He pushed her on the playground. They passed notes. They saw each other from across the room. He winked at her, whatever. No. She said she picked my dad because he was light-skinned with good hair. Wow. My mother is a beautifully dark woman. She didn't want her children to look like her. Mm. And it just continued. So race in my family was at the head of the table every Mm. time my dad showed up. But it was also at the foot of my sister's bed. My sister um, (laughs) had gone into labor prematurely, and we couldn't get to her. Uh, So by the time we got there, she'd already had the baby. And my fictive kin, my aunts, my mother, they were already there. And my niece, you know, she was beautiful as ever. And so we're having—they're having regular conversation, counting fingers and toes. I'm sitting in the chair, minding my business because it's not my turn. And they start having another conversation. Mm. They start turning, turning her, her body around and twisting her around, and trying to get get a right, uh, the right position on her. And they huddled around her, uh, and they started messing with her ears. And so they started having a conversation about whether or not she was going to be light skinned or dark skinned. And it took them a while. Um, because they said she, it was like I wasn't even in the room. They were talking about how much trouble uh, she was going to get into if she were not, and how light skin was the right skin, it was the bright skin, it was what uh, socially colored white people would approve of, and that you know. <laughs> and once they determined that she would be light skinned, then they started talking about how beautiful she was, you know, how much trouble her dad was going to have on his hands, and he better get a shotgun. And this is all done by beautifully dark women, mm. and I just couldn't believe. Right. Yeah. That we were having this conversation. I couldn't believe that they were saying what they were saying. And so I just, from then on out, I thought, I really need to listen to what my family is talking about. And our family is ruled by race. Mm-hmm. That's why I do this work. Yeah. All of our interactions are, are just that. I was on the phone with a relative just the other day. And she said to me, uh, if you need anything done in your house, ask white people to do it because they're going to do it right. Wow. We need to tell those stories. We need right. to have those conversations because those are expressions of self-hatred.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: They do not love themselves. We do not trust ourselves. Um, and a lot of that has to do with American slavery um, and the ongoing assault of African-Americans or those socially colored uh, brown and black. Uh, those conversations need to be had. Those stories need to be told. Uh, and good old millennials like myself, you know, we like to tell it all. We like to keep it 100, as they say, because you can't, you can't fix a lie.
4: Yeah. <laughs>
3: you got to tell it. Yeah. Um, And so it's important that I tell it now um, and that I tell it often. Mm
4: -hmm.
1: Well, thank you for sharing that story. Um, I mean, Mm -hmm. the problem of colorism, as you have outlined in a previous article, addressing a situation with Prince Harry and uh, Meghan Markle is uh, just really extraordinary. You did a a brilliant job in retelling your story as well as uh, laying out the truth for all of us. And uh, we appreciate it.
4: Well, well there are so was- many
0: people who are just clutching their pearls about that story. I'm yeah. like, did you watch the wedding? Like, yeah. did you not yeah. see this drumbeat coming? Because, yeah. I, I mean, I did.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: And that mm-hmm. it led her to almost take her life. Yeah.
4: Yeah. I don't Gosh. think people
3: realize the mm-hmm. violence of racism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It will make you want to cease to exist because you are, the tabloids are essentially writing her eulogy. Mm-hmm. No one, no human being is built to sustain that level of criticism. For someone just to hate you because you simply exist, and so her only option, she thought in that moment, and I'm so glad she she didn't was to was to disappear, mm-hmm. because race has no room for you.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: I applaud her. Mm-hmm. I felt like I needed to do it. She was incredibly courageous to do so, uh, and so other people needed to do it. And I wanted to be one. I wanted to join in on that. Yeah.
1: Well, you did a great yeah. job really good job yeah
3: i wanted to be in her amen corner (laughs) i did yeah
1: yeah. you did you did so
3: so
0: let's talk a little bit about the raceless gospel podcast we are so excited it is
1: amazing we have heard clips
0: (laughs) so excited so you and good faith media's media producer uh, cliff Vaughn created the layout to replicate a worship service why did you decide to talk about race
3: like that? <laughs> uh, because race is a member of the church in North America. Uh, yeah. Because race needs to be acknowledged as a pillar of the church, as one of the biggest givers in the church, as a, a founding member of the church. Um, it also needs to be taken to task by the church theologically. Mm. I think we need to have conversations with church uh, in the church about race, and we don't do it well. Um, a lot of our hymns involve it. You know, we include. You want me to start singing Jesus loves the little children Yes, (laughs) of the world, red and yellow, black and white. They're all. That's not how Jesus loves the little children. But we've written we've written our songs to accommodate race. And something has to be done about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Something Mm -hmm. has to be done about that. It is a a competing creator. Mm -hmm. Race suggests that there are separate creation narratives. And if folks have beaten Bibles, (laughs) that's not what it says in Genesis. It doesn't say that God created uh, races separately, Mm -hmm. but that's what that's what the gospel of race calls for. Um, that's what the the creators of race suggested. I'll give you a nice word to read <laughs> to the to the listeners. Polygenesis. Race mm-hmm. believes that there are multiple genesis narratives mm-hmm. that each group is created separately
4: mm-hmm.
3: to maintain the superiority of whiteness.
4: Right.
3: Now let's talk about that in Sunday school, mm. right?
4: Yeah,
1: yeah. I just I love the the, the brilliance in which it's laid out because uh, immediately you feel like you are entering into a worship experience, and as you articulated well ago. Um, that race has not only been a dominant force, but it has been perpetuated, and um, and really endorsed and forgive the term baptized by the church yeah. uh, in this construct that has affected all of humanity and every society uh, that that is known to to the world. And so, um, so setting it in a Spiritual worshipful experience, I thought was just absolutely brilliant. And you have this testimony time uh, in in the service, and and as well as the prophetic, and, and in the prophetic, uh, you interview uh, some guests, and you have a great lineup of guests. So tell us a little bit about who you're going to have on the show. <laughs>
3: All my friends, all wrestling uh, with race. So it's Justina. All you Justina
1: good Guess. troublemakers.
3: This is what they take their convictions very seriously. They're serious about Jesus, and they're willing to lead the church to follow Him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, Justina Guess is a, the managing editor at the Bitter Southerner. Uh, Leslie Copeland Toon, she's the Chief Operating Officer at the National Council of Churches. Uh, Thomas Bowen is the Earl L. Harrison Minister of Social Justice uh, at the historic Shiloh Baptist Church in Washington, D.C. Uh, Michael Bledsoe, my brother, my good friend, is a retired professor uh, and pastor uh, at Riverside Church in Washington, D.C. And finally, oh my gosh, the so brilliant <laughs> Jeremy Bell, he's a General Secretary of the North American Baptist Fellowship who never leaves you without a benediction.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, he always gives you a punch. He does.
1: It. He does. So, yeah. Well, it's a great lineup, and uh yeah. again, we've heard a couple of uh, episodes of the the podcast, and it's just absolutely brilliant. So, uh when does it drop again? March twenty second. March twenty second. Uh, so, yeah. make certain to subscribe to the Raceless Gospel Podcast. Uh, you'll be able to find it wherever you listen to your podcast, Uh, and it's going to be available. I think there's actually a trailer at racial Raceless, Raceless gospel yes. podcast right now.
0: We're going to splice it in at the end of this episode too so you can get a little taste of why you need to go and subscribe right now. There
1: you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, so
0: if there was one thing you want our audience to know or forget about race, what would that be? I mean, that's such a good
3: question. I would leave them with a question. Um, how 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 high up do you have to climb uh, to color in the face of God? Mm. What position have you put yourself in that you've, you claim that you've seen the face of the divine and that, that deity, that all powerful creator looks exactly like you.
1: Mm. Wow. That's powerful. Mm-hmm. Well, I want you to leave us with some hope pastor, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I mean, it's been a long year. We just talked yeah. about uh, the pandemic has been going on for a year now. Uh, it's hard to believe within this year, set within the pandemic, we had one of the largest uh, movements yeah. okay. uh, rise up regarding racial justice that the country has ever seen, probably since the Civil Rights Movement. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it, was, it was heart-wrenching. It was terrifying. But it was also inspiring to see so yeah. many, especially so many young people, out yeah. on the street marching, protesting, demanding justice yeah. uh, during this, this difficult day. And so, with that, it, I mean, we, we can feel as though there is no hope when you see all the injustices in the world, and and continue to see young black men gunned down by police, uh, continue to see the iniquities. The police
0: not held accountable for it. Right. Yeah. Right. Continuously. Yeah. Sorry.
1: No, you're right. You're right. <laughs>
0: it's so Just right. You dirty. said it just
3: right. You yeah.
1: It just right you too, said, yeah. So I mean, we see all of these injustices, and it seems as though you know, sometimes it feels like we're not making any progress, but pastor, tell me there's hope.
3: There's always hope. I was marching in those streets all summer long and there's a lot of people with ears to hear that are not buying, uh, this race narrative, who know that they are made in the image of God and who felt closest to God when their feet were pounding the pavement. Mm. Um, uh, they know that, um, I mean, I had conversations with them that Jesus didn't die to save their skin, that Jesus is not a mascot in our race war. They're farther along than we think. There is a generation coming that is not going to tolerate this, that's not going to put up with it. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm very confident, uh, very confident about the future. The fact that we are talking about a raceless gospel. we're not. We're, we're refusing to accept the narrative. This 400-year-old narrative. This institutional narrative. This is this systematic and systemic narrative. There's hope in that. Mm-hmm. And that God is saying, "No more. Mm. Get your hands off of me. I am mystery. How dare you suggest that you know me? Mm. How dare you? Mm. Yeah.
1: Well yeah. said. Well, I am glad that there is hope. And i You give me yeah. hope every time I talk to you and listen to you <laughs> preach and teach. And speak on the raceless gospel. Uh, I am always inspired, and I am. Well, I will thank the Lord till the day I die that Cliff Vaughn and I walked into a room <laughs> in uh, at the Bahamas at the Baptist. Yeah. World, bless
3: your hearts.
0: I know
1: we were suffering oh, for suffering Jesus. The gospel.
3: Come on now, you know what you know. We were suffering, we were <laughs> suffering. Everybody has a cross to bear, and so ours that's was right. in the Bahamas. But the Lord said, Go,
1: yeah, yeah. and we went.
3: <laughs> the Lord said, Who shall I send? And I said, Well, Lord, if it has to be <laughs> sent me, I'll go. <laughs> and, and 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 you know, Pastor Mitch, he heard the call
1: as well. I did. You know? I did. And we
4: have to be obedient, that's right, that's right, that's <laughs> right.
1: Uh, but walking into that room and hearing your lecture that day, uh, you know, changed my life. And and I appreciate uh, your insight and and your wisdom. It's just, and it's great to be able to work with you, uh, on this podcast and and hopefully future endeavors to come.
3: Can we give Cliff a shout out?
1: Yeah,
4: absolutely.
3: Absolutely stunning. Yeah. Yeah. Best person to work with. Brilliant partner. Gives incredible feedback and has held my hand the whole way. He is quite the cheerleader and I wouldn't have made it through without him. He's he's an exceptional human being and I'm deeply grateful for him.
1: Thank you. He yeah. is a masterclass, no doubt about yes, that. Yes he is. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Like humble and quality at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So shout out to Cliff. Yep. Well, I feel like you've already given us about 47 of these, but I'm going to ask <laughs> if you have you know our tagline at Good Faith Media is there's more to tell and I'm sure that you know Starlet always has more to tell. So can you give us just one more little nugget
3: of goodness before we go? Yeah, hold me accountable. I'm supposed to be finishing up a book on the raceless Gospel. Mm. But a lot more of these stories, so. Good. I'm saying it now, so you'll hold me accountable.
1: Well, we okay. will. That's right. So next time you're on the pod, we're going to ask you, so where's the book? <laughs> you
3: should. You should. And I would appreciate it. I really would. I love it. Uh,
1: well, Reverend Starlet Thomas, thank you so much for joining us at Good Faith Weekly. Wish you the very best as the Raceless Gospel podcast drops in a few weeks. Make certain to go and subscribe to the podcast it will be worth your listening we're dropping all five episodes at the same time so you'll be able to hear them uh one by one so it's it's great so thanks for being here with us
3: thank you for having me
1: and now before we sign out we want to let you give you a little little taste of the raceless gospel so uh, tune in and enjoy
2: Reverend Starlett Thomas, a womanist in ministry and the host of a new podcast, The Raceless Gospel. In this upcoming and ongoing conversation, word is going to meet flesh. We're going to talk about that taboo trinity race, religion, and politics. Season one of The Raceless Gospel has got five episodes, five Sundays, if you will. We're going to take you to church each episode. We're going to talk about the sticks and stones, the skin and bones of Christian discipleship through the structure of a church service. And in each episode, we're joined by a special guest who will bring a word. We've got Jocena Guess, managing editor at The Bitter Southerner. There are pastors who are losing their congregations because folks are saying, well, we just want the gospel. Why are you making it political, you know? Is that how they sound, Josina? I don't know. I shouldn't be making, <laughs> I shouldn't be making fun of people that have made an idol of their comfort. We've got Reverend Jeremy Bell, General Secretary of the North American Baptist Fellowship. As, as Baptists, uh, you know, we sometimes preach on the same wretched favorite passage that we love and get stuck in the epistles for several years.
3: I mean, you know. Uh, you know, you it, said it, wretched it,
2: favorite we are, we you are going have
3: you still... trying to offend everybody, the oh, preacher's God, gonna you know, be mad at
2: us. us. Bless us all. We've got Reverend Dr. Leslie Copeland Toon, Chief Operating Officer at the National Council of Churches.
3: Those are always the worst sins, the ones that you don't do. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, stop that. So They're gonna, <laughs> they gonna have a meeting in the parking lot about us after this podcast.
2: We've got Reverend Thomas Bowen, the Earl L. Harrison, Minister of Social Justice at Shiloh Baptist Church in Washington, DC. And with every generation, we gotta go all the way back and try to find this Jesus. We're always playing catch up. I don't understand. And that. then we will
3: pause and blame Jesus and not ourselves. Ha! Huh? Ah! Because you didn't give me direction. Right. So we, we You we, told we, me it was a left and not a right. Because when we when we want to be bothered with Jesus, then we discover that that Jesus is, is some other other place.
2: And we've got Reverend Dr. Michael Bledsoe, an author and former pastor of Riverside Baptist Church in Washington, D.C.
1: Let's demythologize America. Quit having the president inaugurated with his hand on a Bible. I'd be more comfortable if you put your hand on a box of cornflakes. I'd, I would prefer religion not be used to kind of uh, smoke and mirrors cover up what's happening here.
2: Race, religion, and politics. It's a threefold cord that ropes the pews of the church in North America. And it is time that it be unraveled. But first, we've got to untie our tongues. It's about tearing down idols. I mean like literally mm-hmm. taking the white Jesus off your church wall. That would be a step for the churches that have white Jesuses on their walls. You Take gonna ask them-, them
3: to get rid of a white Jesus? I,
2: yeah, because it's a distraction. You, wait,
3: wait, wait, wait. <laughs> You're asking a lot. Because you know many people believe Jesus. You know what? Was and is white and is coming back as white. Yeah. He's coming back and again. They can take that American so you're flag saying take that down? And
2: they need to take
3: the American flag out of the sanctuary too. Oh, because I'm you, telling you, my friend, <laughs> the
4: nationalism. Oh, you going to step in it today? I'll step in it, Look, Come on, on in I here and lose? speak a word. Speak a word.
2: Like- the Raceless Gospel podcast from Good Faith Media. Five episodes. We're going to drop them all on you at once on March 22nd. I'm your podcast pastor, Reverend Starlet Thomas. Join us as we march into and beyond race, religion, and politics. We're gonna flush it out.